Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of The Nut Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ingram, Gold Level Pro, writer for StarCityGames.com, MetagameGurus.com member, and all-around good guy. Uh, and I'm joined today here with Frank Scarron. How's it going, Frank? Hey, Frank here. How's it going, everybody? So for those of you who have not listened to last week's episode, this week is going to be a continuation of the everything you need to know about Ixalan Limited for the upcoming Grand Prix in Grand Prix, New Jersey this weekend. And I have to say I'm pretty hyped for the Grand Prix. What about you, Frank? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely pretty excited. You know, it's uh, the limited Grand Prix are pretty few and far between nowadays. So it's pretty nice to not only have one in a format that I've practiced a lot, but it's right in our backyard. So that's really nice. Yeah, just a casual 52 draft trophies now. Yeah, I've been been working up the number. I thought I'd stop at 50, but then I decided to stream a little bit and just casually snapped off back-to-back trios. So. That makes sense. Yeah, I was I was a little confused at the higher than 50 number, but th- that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've streamed like uh, three times this past week, and I'm definitely looking to like set up a schedule and get into it. So keep an eye out for that. Um all right, so without further ado, let's let's jump into part two. Let's let's get into it with the red commons. What are your top five red commons, Frank? Okay, so uh, red commons. Um, you know, red's a very strong color in the format. It's a good color to start a draft with because it works in pretty much every archetype other than vampires. And the red commons definitely don't disappoint. Uh, I think the number one is pretty solidly fire cannon blast. Uh, just a really solid removal spell can kill everything from, you know, your opponent's two drop to a colossal dreadmaw if you have to. It's good at taking out most creatures with a spectral flight on it. Um, the creatures, you know, are tend to be better picks than the removal in this format, but I give Fire Cannon Blast the number one slot here just because you know, it's just a very versatile card. If you take it, you're always going to play it in your red deck. It's just a solid first pick. Uh, that being said, in the two slot for me is Fathom Fleet Firebrand. So, you know, the two meta pirate with expensive fire breathing. But that guy, guy has really impressed me. You know, for, for a two drop, it just does everything you want. It's a pirate, so it puts Cutlass on it. It gives you a late game mana sink. It, you know, it trades up extremely well. If, if you can get it through the red zone, you can pump it in for extra damage. Just really quality card. Uh, number three, I have Thrash of Raptors, another card I've been really impressed with. Uh, I think the red-white Dinos deck has a lot of competition at the four slot, and I think Thrash of Raptors reigns supreme. That's the card that I want the most of. Uh, then we have Tillinali's Knight, another solid two drop. Definitely worse than Firebrand because you need a dinosaur to turn it on. And I was a lot higher on the card at the beginning of the format. Uh, it's still really good, but there are times where you will actually not be able to get a dinosaur, and then you're just looking at a grizzly bear. Uh, then we have Headstrong Brute, another card that is really good, and once you start getting your pirates going, it actually you know goes up in my book, and it's you know contextual. Like if you're if you're pirates, you want Headstrong Brute. If you're dinosaurs, you want Thrash of Raptors. But once you get the pirates going, Headstrong Brute is actually one of the best cards in the pirate archetype. It just hits really hard. The menace is great. And uh, for an honorable mention, I'm giving it to Sure Strike because that's just a very solid trick. Tricks are good in this format. The only reason it doesn't really break the top five for me is because you can still only have so many of them, and they're usually not a high priority in draft. You'll usually be able to pick up a copy or two, but it is a very good card. Okay, some good information there. Uh, one card I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention, and I know you talked a little bit this about, about this in the last uh, podcast, was that 
Unfriendly Fires wasn't mentioned, and I know that's a card like inside Wizards we kind of didn't value super highly, but I think it was in our top five. Um, yeah, what what are your opinions on that card? Well, it's funny you should mention it because here I actually have Unfriendly Fire listed under my dishonorable mention section because I think that card, while it is playable, it's just kind of a trap. It's just five mana for four damage. You're literally paying three extra mana for like a slightly better lightning strike. You know, the format's pretty fast. It doesn't even kill big things like, you know, Colossal Dreadmaw or Creatures with Enchantments or Cutlass on it half the time. Card's just really clunky. The creatures are better. There's just better things you could be pay- playing at five mana. Really, like, the only time that Unfriendly Fire shines is if you have a deck where you know dealing four damage directly to your opponent is something that you're actively going to want. If you can't, if you're never really going to capitalize on Unfriendly Fire to the face, it's just a really, really subpar removal spell. I'm not saying I don't play it. It, it does make decks a decent amount of times, but I do in no way prioritize picking the card up. And I will almost never first pick it. It would have to be an atrocious pack. Okay, uh, what's your opinion on Brazen Buccaneers? For those of you that don't know, it's a 4-mana 2-2 haste, uh, and it has the ability Explore. Brazen Buccaneers is... I think I made I made like a list of the Explore creatures and how good I thought they were a while back, and Brazen Buccaneers was my, I would say, the second worst, only ahead of uh, Sunrise Seeker. The problem with it is, is like you were really rolling the dice when you play Brazen Buccaneers. If you ever hit a land, it just feels so bad. The difference between a 3-3 haste and it, like if it's a 2-2 haste, like 90% of the time it can't even attack. And where if it's a 3-3 haste, it's great. So that that's I I do play the card. I especially play it in decks where I have some five or six drops, so hitting a land isn't the end of the world. But it's just medium. It is a pirate, which is nice, but I, it's really nothing to write home about. Okay, uh, I know we spoke a little bit about this on our last travel session where I was kind of drilling you with questions, but you mentioned Robinson Goblin being a card you'd be really excited to play with in Sealed and not so much in Draft. And there are cards like that in Limited usually where their value goes up in a format like Sealed where people aren't, you know, drafting the cards to their deck and necessarily fine-tuning a mana curve and stuff like that. So uh, along with Robinson Goblin, maybe you could speak a little bit about that, but like, what other cards do you think there are that are better in Sealed than they are in Draft? Um, well, yep. I, I will say that Rummaging Goblin is an all-star and sealed. Uh, the format's still fast and tempo-oriented, but it's significantly slower, and the decks are less powerful, so just having a looter to make sure... Like, sealed, a lot of times, just comes down to who drew more spells, like, who flooded out, and Rummaging Goblin just makes sure once you get to, like, five or six lands, you just keep drawing gas. Draft, it really is just too slow there. Very rarely it'll sneak into like a red-black heavy removal deck for me, but I try to avoid it. Uh, other cards in that vein, like Rummaging Goblin, is I do think like Unfriendly Fire and Dark Nourishment are a little better in Sealed, because again, it is just a slower format, so you have more time to cast them, and you know, you're just not going to get as much premium removal in Sealed, so you have to play what you have. Uh, that being said, I do think one with the wind is like significantly worse in sealed because your opponent is going to be probably playing every piece of removal they can get their hands on, even splashing for it. So the odds that you actually get to just, you know, put a one with the wind on the creature and go to town just is just a lot less. Plus you're not going to have as many like ways to protect it, like your siren storm tamers or your dive downs, unless you get lucky in your sealed pool. That's really interesting. Okay. Fair, fair enough. 
Um, so that's it for red commons. Um, let's move on to red uncommons. Okay, so for red uncommons, the first place goes to the best uncommon in the entire set, which is Charging Monstrosaur, which is basically just Reality Smasher, an uncommon, pretty frustrating card to play against, feels really good to play with. It's just, there's really not much to say about it. It's just excellent. You know, it comes down if, basically if you're ahead, the game is instantly over. If it's a close game, you're probably winning by a mile once you play it. And if you're behind, it could even just, it could act, it could swing you from, like if you're losing a race, it can just swing you back in so hard. Great card. First pick it over most rares. Just absolute all-star. Followed up by another great card, which in a lot of limited formats would probably be first, uh, is Lightning Strike. You know, just solid, efficient removal spell. Really not much to say there. Uh, and then for me in the three slot here, I have, Autopec Huntmaster, which is the 2-mana 1-2 that reduces the cost of your dinos and can tap to give a dino haste. Uh, the thing about this card is it is extremely high variance. There are games where you'll play it on 2 and absolutely ruin your opponent because it's just like a Fires of Yami Maya that is also making your creatures cheaper. And then there are also other games where you'll draw it on like turn 5 and it'll basically be a 2-mana 1-2. So definitely very high variance card. Not a card that I'm I love first picking. I kind of like to get my dinos going before I pick it up. But once you're there, it's amazing. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what about Raptor Hatchling? Raptor Hatchling, for me, is, has been pretty subpar. Um, really only play it if I've got a lot of dino synergies and I need a dino or I kind of have a more defensive ramp-esque green-red deck. Raptor Hatchling is kind of the a perfect example of a nice sideboard card. Once you see that it lines up well against what your opponent is doing, then you bring it in off the bench. But not a card I love main decking. Sure, yeah. For, for those of you that don't know, Raptor Hatchling is a 1R11 that has Enrage. Uh, it makes a 3-3 with Trample. So it kind of just dies into a 3-3 most of the time. Uh, next card I want to talk about is Lightning Rig Crew, 3 mana, 0, 5, taps to deal 1 damage to each opponent, and then whenever you play a pirate spell, it untaps it. Uh, Lightning Rig Crew is pretty excellent. A little higher on it at the start of the format. It's just like the 3 slots kind of heavy, you really want to prioritize your 2s, but it is a really good card. Even if you don't have many pirates, it's just a solid blocker and gives you reach. I, I really like Lightning Rig, Rig Crew. Okay, what about um, Rigging Runner, an R11 with First Strike and Raid, put a plus one counter on it? Uh, pretty good example of just like a fine playable card. Not a card I go out of my way to get, but if I have a copy, I'll almost always play it. Definitely goes starts going up in value once you get like, you know, your Pirate's Cutlass is going or you have a ton of two drops. Fair enough. Would you say, like, in an average situation, if you had this and a two-drop in your hand, would you play it on turn one, or would you try and wait to make it a two-two? I, I would almost never play it on turn one unless I had a really specific hand where I had maybe, like, swashbuckling into Pirate's Cutlass or something, so I know I'm just trying to go all in on it. A one-mana one-one, even with first strike, just does next to nothing in this format. Okay, good to know. Uh, what about Fiery Cannonade? Three mana, instant, deal two damage to each non-pirate creature. Uh, Fiery Cannonade is very powerful, but again, it's one of those cards that's more of a sideboard card, because a lot of people do like the pirate archetype a lot, and it's obviously a brick there, because it's going to kill nothing in their deck. 
It's also pretty bad against dinosaurs because it doesn't match up well against, you know, like Thrash of Raptor or Colossal Dread mods. It's okay against the red-white dino decks. Really where it shines is against vampires where it's an absolute all-star. It'll wipe up all their tokens, kill their bishop soldier, inspiring cleric. You know, that it is just really, really good against vampires. So it's another card that's like a premium sideboard card, but I'm probably not starting in my main deck. Yeah, I did a draft earlier today, um, about like two hours ago, and I drafted a sweet red-black aggro deck, and I have a fire cannon in my deck, and I won the first round. I, I finished the draft, but I want to know, uh, I beat vampires, and in game three, I just like healed a fire cannonade, and it was nice. It was so freaking good. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's just ludicrously good against vampires. Like I, I've had vampires' opponents go like, you know, like turn one, one, one flyer, turn two bishop soldier, turn three Maverin fan. And I, I could tell that they're just like, ha I can't possibly lose this game. And it's just like fire cannon, cannon, it suck it. <laughs> okay. So that, that's it for red on commons. Uh, let's move on to green commons. Okay. So green is kind of a weird color in Ixalan limited. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that it is the single worst color, but it's kind of strange because it, you know, the, the nut merfolk deck is kind of the best deck in the format, which obviously has green in it. So it's like the worst color, but it helps build the best deck if you can get it. Uh, so for the green commons, um, and this is what's kind of weird about it, is they all, it's very like contextual. It really just depends on where your draft's at. Because the cards are not really great on their own, but once you have the right deck, they become amazing. So that being said, I just put Deep Root Warrior as my number one. Just a solid two drop. It's obviously great in Merfolks, but you'll probably play it in your not Merfolk deck. Just will consistently be able to attack for two, pretty hard to block. Uh, second, I had Tashana's Wayfinder, another just solid card, better in Merfolk. Uh, then I had River Herald's Boon at three. And this is really a card where, like, if you are the Merfolk deck, River Herald's Boon is insane. Uh, usually it's going to be face up on the table and you're like, if your opponent's familiar with the format, they'll know that it's there, but it's just so hard to play around and eventually you'll force them into a position where they just have to get blown out by it. Uh, then for four and five, these are super close for me. I have Colossal Dreadmaw and Grazing Whiptail. Uh, Colossal Dreadmaw, you know, it's just six mana, six, six trample dino, kind of just the premium top end for the red green dino deck can squeak into a merfolk deck every now and then just a solid beat stick assuming it doesn't get bounced and tempo out or contract killing it's going to kill your opponent in short order if they ever have to try to triple block it and you have a combat trick they just get blown out and then bringing up the rear at number five is grazing whiptail which this is kind of a it's like a sad card in this format because in, in another format you know that's kind of like less tempo-y grazing whiptail would be amazing you know giant spider is commonly an amazing card in sets that it's in. And Grazing Whiptail is Giant Spider with a relevant creature type and one more power. But it just doesn't attack well. It doesn't even block well once your opponent starts getting their auras or their Pirate's Cutlass is going. So it's kind of just mopey in that aspect. Still a fine card, but not a card that I, I'm rushing to pick up. Okay, um, what are your thoughts on Commune with Dinosaurs, a card that actually stuck its name around from, from the FFL? We, we called it Commune with Dinosaurs, and we were like, I just made the card. Uh, Commune with Dinos is on my honorable mentions list. You know, it's just a solid card. Uh, once you start going Dinos and having some Dinos, it does a really good job of letting you play, you know, 15 to 16 lands and functioning as a way to 
get a land in the early game, maybe fix your colors or in the late game, help dig you to your colossal dread maws. It's just a really, really solid card. But again, it is contextual where it's in, it's not something you prioritize until you're already in an established dino deck. Okay. Uh, what about spike tailed ceratops five mana four, four can block an additional creature each combat. And it's also a dinosaur. That card is kind of just the definition of filler. You know, it's a it's a fine little dino. If your five slot needs some love, just stick it in there. It's a relevant creature. It's a reasonable body. Uh, has been slowly going up for me because you know it, it is just really big and it blocks pretty well, but nothing nothing special. Okay, what about Jade Guardian? Four mana, two two hexproof. ETB put a possible encounter on target Murpho creature you control. Uh, for me, Jade Guardian, it's definitely good. You really have to be merfolk for you to want it in your deck, and it really starts hitting its like premium of where like you might take Jade Guardian over a lot of the other cards in the top five. Once you have a lot of, you know, River Herald's boons or one with the winds, just like ways to really just cheese your opponent out with the hexproof. I've definitely lost a lot of games in this format to Jade Guardian into one with the wind. Yeah, that's a build your own crazy creature that's gonna beat the shit out of you. Um, one card that I'm a little surprised about, I think it's the card that we as Wizards got the most wrong on it because it was so high on our list, is actually Pounce. Can you talk a little bit about that? Pounce is on my dishonorable mention section, and the problem with Pounce is it just, most creatures in green, like really in the format as a whole, are more like attack oriented so they'll usually have higher power than toughness there'll be cards like deep root warrior where they're only bigger once they're in combat and i don't know it's just like really hard to build a deck where you have enough quality creatures to pounce off of those are the decks that like you know you really have like a lot of grazing whiptails or like you know if you're if you're trying to pounce off a colossal dreadmaw that's like so slow you're literally waiting till turn seven to play your removal spell so whereas pounce is like fine and will make it into your deck it is by no means a card that i want to prioritize and i'm if i if i draft a solid green deck and there's no pounces in it i'm not like oh man i missed out you know yeah that's fair all right one last comment i'd like to ask about is uh excelli's diviner it's a two mana zero three with explorer uh that card is fine kind of again in the filler department the times that i found myself mostly playing excelli's diviner is when i'm either in like the green black explore deck or some wonky four to five color deck where I kind of just need a early defensive play that can help make sure I get the lands that I need or hold my opponent off until I get to set up what I'm doing. But definitely more of a, a filler slash sideboard card than a main deck card. Just to real quick tie off the commons, I guess. My, my other honorable mentions were Crash the Ramparts, Solid Pump Spell, New Horizons, another one of those cards that can be really good depending on your deck if you're trying to go, you know, multicolor or trying to splash double off-color cards really good, you know, curves really well, two, three, five, and then Crushing Canopy, which is just probably the most premium sideboard card in the format, you know, up there with like Fiery Cannonade and whatnot, but it's just the, the best answer to one with the wind, two for one your opponent, punish them for putting it on their creature, or even if they put it on the Jade Guardian, it could still just take the one with the wind out and make the Jade Guardian much less threatening. Um, I will say I did want to ask you about this card is, usually when you see um, green cards like this, they tend to destroy either artifacts and enchantments or just artifacts. It's kind of weird to see a card, a green card that only destroys enchantments. 
Um, for for a while, I think we had um, Plummet in the set, and we found that we wanted a card that could interact with the rares, the flip the flip cards. Came up with Crushing Canopy as a versatile way to either answer enchantment or flying. Also answers cards like Pious Interdiction and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, a little weird that it doesn't answer artifacts, but I think it might approach a weird uncommon level if it were a destroy target creature with flying and then destroy target artifact or enchantment. I think it might do a little too much for a common. Sure. That, no, that's, that's fair. That, that definitely makes sense. I was just, I was just curious. Sure. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so let's move on to green uncommons. Okay. Uh, so for green uncommons, the clear winner for me is Savage Stomp. Just really, really strong magic card. Uh, I've always been a fan of Hunt the Weak and Limited. Obviously, it has its formats where it's better and worse, which is basically a formatted version of Savage Stomp that doesn't have the cost reduction. But then when you look at Savage Stomp, it's just, it's either a three mana Hunt the Weak, or if you're playing it off a dino, it costs one green, which is just insane. The tempo swings are amazing. So just Savage Stomp, great card, great first pick. One of the, one of like the reasons to be green. Uh, then for the follow-up, I have Merfolk Branchwalker, just really good explore creature, uh, green and a colorless for a Merfolk, 2-1 explore, really solid card, fine way to start off a draft. If you're in Merfolk, it gets even better. And then for three, I have Drover of the Mighty. While in the right deck, I do think Drover is probably better than Branchwalker. Branchwalker is just a much better first pick because if you don't end up i've had drafts where i'll like maybe like second pick a drover and then like fourth pick a drover and i'll be like oh my god this is awesome and then i'll end up like green blue merfolk and i won't even put the drover and the mighties in my deck so it is a little weird like that but end of the day very strong card yeah that makes sense like if you're if you're dinosaur deck you're probably playing branch rocker either way whereas with drover you're only playing it in one specific deck all right so what about Snapping Sailback, 5 mana, 4-4 four, four Flash, Enrage, put a Pulse Forms on counter on it. Uh, definitely a solid card, definitely a card that's always going to make my green deck. Uh, it's definitely not too far behind the top three. Probably the one thing that's made it a little worse at this point is people are pretty savvy to, if you're holding 5 mana up in green, they're going to see the Sailback coming. Really where it's actually kind of been its best for me is if I'm playing green blue and I'll be holding five mana up I feel like people immediately think oh they've he's got a wind strider and they'll like attack with their three three and then you play the sail back and they're just like fuck but for the most part people see it coming a lot more than they did early in the format it's fair um what about Atsakan archer three mana one four reach etb you may have it fight with another target creature this this card for me Feels like a card that might be better in sealed. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it's a it's definitely a fine card. Uh, for me, it does fit more of the sideboard role again. Once you know that your opponent has good targets for it, like you know Raptor's Companion or what have you, I'm more looking to bring it in. Or it's also really good if you have your own enraged creatures that it could ping off of. Uh, probably the number one being Raging Raptors, which is also on my honorable mentions list. But it is a good card, and it will make my main deck occasionally, but I like it as more of a sideboard option. Okay, and then uh, what about Thundering Spineback, 7 mana, 5-5? Five, five. Other dinosaurs you control get plus minus 1, and 6 mana make a 3-3 three, three dino with Trample. So Thundering Spineback is just kind of a nice you know, top-end win condition, if that's what your deck is in the market for. It is 
kind of rare in this format that it co- comes to a situation where it's like you and your opponent have both expended all your resources, neither of you has won the game, and you just need a massive value engine like that. But the, the games do come up, and in those games, Thundering Spineback is king. It'll win you the game in you know two to three turns or whatever. So is a fine card. Pretty much only makes it into Naya Dinos or Red Green Dinos, though. Okay, uh, are there any other uncommons you wanted to talk about? Um, pretty much the only others are, again, Ranging Raptors, just solid card, will always make your green decks. Is a little worse than I thought it like would be when I first saw the set spoiled. Sometimes it's just hard to profitably get into combat. There isn't too much... Like I, I don't like you know cards like Ryle very much, so it's kind of hard to get full value off of it there. Really, the, the card that it plays the best with is um, Thundering Sword Tooth, which that card is just generally amazing. Uh, then I also have Vine Shaper Mystic. It's another example of a card that once you're in Merfolk, the value of it goes up through the roof. It's just really quality card. Even if it's just a three mana two four sometimes, that's a really solid body. And then finally, Wild Growth Walker, another example of a card where it's like, I don't necessarily want to first pick it, but once I've got my explore creatures rolling, it's absolutely incredible. All right, fair enough. Um, let's move on to the uncommon gold cards. Uh, and actually, looking at these now, it kind of just dawned on me that there's no blue, white, and black, green gold card, which makes sense because there's no tribe dedicated to them, and all of these are tribe cards. But kind of just like hit me. To be fair, when I when I see an opponent playing green, black. The first thing that pops into my mind is this motherfucker is going to play a Vraska. So there, there is a, a green black gold card, but it is it is rare or mythic rare even. <laughs> I forgot about Vraska. Vraska is great, and yeah, it's yeah. like probably the best or the second best rare you could open, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty up there. Card is just unless you could literally kill it as soon as your opponent plays it, you're going to lose the game like every time. If your opponent is playing forests and swamps, like exclusively the chances of them having a Vraska are pretty high okay let's start off things with sword tooth raptor uh five mana five five with trample and etb deals one damage to each creature okay so that card is great it's like a charging monstrosaur in that it's a five mana five five trample which is just an amazing body and will kill your opponent really quickly and then it just has the built-in value of triggering your enraged creatures And there's another card that just takes a steaming dump on the vampire archetype, will wipe up all their tokens, kill Raptor Companion, force them to pay four life for their Danto Vanguard. I've been really, really happy with the Sword Tooth. I think it's one of the premium reasons to be green-red. All right, moving along, uh, the red-black 2-mana 2-2 Dire Fleet Captain. When it attacks, it gets plus minus one for each other attacking pirate, kind of like a uh, goblin war driver. Card's definitely solid. Uh, it's, you know, a little weaker than the sword tooth per se, but it's just a really good two drop. And in your best draws where you're just curving out pirates, it can it can really be insurmountable. Okay. Uh, Deadeye Plunderers, blue, black, five mana, three, three. Gets plus minus one for each artifact you control and four mana creates a treasure. Uh, I do like Deadeye Plunders. It's a pretty solid win condition. My one problem with it is it's kind of just vanilla and that it's just a five mana big creature, which isn't exactly what you want in blue-black, but it's nice to have. Uh, Not a card I prioritize, not a card that I'm sad if my blue-black deck doesn't have it in there, but 
if I'm blue black, one comes my way, you know, mid to late in the draft, I'll happily pick it up and play it. Okay. Um, I'm actually quite interested to hear your opinion on this next card. Uh, Belligerent Brontodon, seven mana, four, six, white, green, and then it has Doran text. So it creatures deal with combat damage as if uh, their toughness was their power. So Belligerent Brontodon's a pretty funny card, in my opinion. Uh, funny name, funny picture, funny flavor text, but I don't think it's very playable. Earlier on in the format, where I was more into drafting four-color pile decks, I would often have a Brontodon in there as my curve topper. But now that you know the format's kind of gotten more refined and people are super aggressive, it's just too slow. It's too expensive. The one place that it shines is in the... Um, you know, the one mana O3 that reduces Dino's looming Altasaur, Belligerent Brontodon, green-white deck, where you kind of are playing this, you know, silly, limited-style Doran deck. And I, I've actually lost to that before. But I, I don't think it's a very good archetype, and I certainly wouldn't go into a draft trying to force it, but it, it is there. Okay, yeah, I mean, this was a card that we kind of, um, we nerfed at some point. It was originally six mana. Curious if it would be at an appropriate power level, if it were, but we pushed it to seven. Uh, it would definitely be a lot better at six. Really, the problem is, if you're paying seven mana for kind of like a curve-topping game ender, you would almost always rather just be playing a Thundering Spine back. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. All right, moving along, we have the Black-White Call to the Feast. Four mana, create three one one vampires with lifelink. Uh, that card is excellent. Uh, you know, as I said last week, in your black-white vampires decks, they're pretty much centered around Anointed Deacon, and this card is curves perfectly with Anointed Deacon and gives you fuel for Anointed Deacon. It's just a really good card. You know, I'll, I'll almost always play a copy or two of Queen's Commission, and this card is pretty much a strictly better Queen's Commission. The next card is Shapers of Nature. It's a three-mana green-blue, three-three uh, merfolk, and it has the ability... Three and a green, put a plus one counter on target creature. Two and a blue, remove a plus one counter from a creature you control, draw a card. This card for me, while drafting in the FFL, was busted to the point where I thought it should be nerfed to what, from what it is now, but clearly I, I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's fine, but it is extremely like premium. It's like absolutely amazing. It's kind of like. It kind of plays that role of Thundering Spineback, where it's like, if the game is ever getting to a grindy point, it'll, you know, put the team on its back and just win you the game. But at the same time, instead of being a 7-mana 5-5, five five, it's a 3-mana three 3-3, three three, which is, you know, just great. And it's a merfolk, so it helps turn on all your merfolk synergies. Absolutely great card. One of the reasons the blue-green merfolk deck can be so powerful. Totally agree. And then... Finishing that up, we have Sky Terror, which is a red-white 2-mana two 2-2 two two with Flying and Menace. Uh, another absolutely excellent card. If you play that bad boy on turn 2, there aren't many cards that efficiently remove it, especially at common level, and it could be coming in for like actual 10 points of damage before your opponent finds a way to stop it. Okay, fair enough. Let's just lump all the uncommons and commons together. They're artifacts. There's only 10 of them. Pirate's Cutlass is probably the best of them, right? Yeah, I mean, Pirate's Cutlass is just incredible. So it's it's I gotta give it to Pirate's Cutlass pretty easily. Okay, uh, what do you think of Prying Blade? Prying Blade is pretty mediocre. It'll occasionally sneak its way into my deck. It's probably at its best in a vampire deck where you're putting it on lifelink creatures, but I don't love it. 
And I would I would pretty much never play it in sealed. Kind of just a card if your draft deck's a little scrappy and you're looking for, you know, a 23rd, 24th playable. What about Cobbled Wings? Cobbled Wings is actually not terrible. Like, I know that's not exactly high praise, but there are certain decks where having a Cobbled Wings in there will just give you some nice reach. It's kind of like, in my opinion, just like a better unfriendly fire in that, you know, maybe if you're like, instead of just dealing four to your opponent once, you can put it on a Frenzied Raptor, and then your opponent has to answer that Frenzied Raptor, and then when they do, you put it on something else. Uh, it's really at its best in red, white, red, green dinos, but I've played way more cobbled wings than I would have expected coming into the format. Yeah, I, I boarded in a cobbled wings with my red black deck, and it was absolutely great. I, I kept on giving it, I gave my uh, Captain Lannery Storm some cobbled wings, and I kept on making some treasury, and it was quite nice. Um, all right, what do you think of Sleek Schooner, a three mana, four, three crew, one vehicle? Not a huge fan. I, I definitely find myself playing the card more often than I would like to because sometimes you just need to fill the curve or you need that playable, but I would almost always rather just be playing a three mana actual creature than Sleek Schooner. Just you get into these spots where like you're crewing it with a three, three, you're barely getting value, or maybe your opponent's just kind of killing all your creatures and you have this useless thing sitting there and it just gets blocked by you know, Raptor's Companion or any other three-power creature. Super medium, but does make my deck on occasion. Okay, uh, the other vehicle is Dust Legion Dreadnought, 5 mana, 4, 6, Vigilance, Crew 2. What do you think about that? So that card's kind of weird, because it almost never makes my deck, but on occasion, I'll just need a 5-drop, and I'll play it, and I'll actually be really impressed with it. It just attacks extremely well, blocks extremely well. The crew cost is pretty low. So definitely not a premium card by any stretch, but if it makes my deck, I'm not I'm not sad about it. Do you think there's any type of deck where you would consider playing Pillar of Origins? Pretty much no. I think Pillar of Origins is kind of laughably bad. It's just, you know... most decks aren't streamlined to the point where literally every creature is the same creature type. Plus then you have, you know, your, there's some expensive spells that it doesn't help you cast and it's literally only good on turn two. So pillar, like maybe if I had some really weird Naya dinos deck that needed the fixing, needed the ramp was light in the two slot and didn't have expensive spells and every single creature was a dinosaur, I might play it. But I think that card is actively bad. Okay, and then one last card I want to talk about is a card that I've received mixed opinions about. Uh, elaborate Fire Cannon. Two mana, doesn't uh, untap during your untap. Uh, four mana tap, deal two damage to target creature player. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may discard a card if you do untap it. So I think that that card is laughably bad. And anytime someone beats me with it, it actually makes me angry. Because it's just, I don't know, it's just not what the format is about, you know? It's just, like, not grindy. You don't really, you're not really looking for a mana sink. And it is just a super shitty mana sink. You're paying, you know, six mana for your first shock. And then you have to start discarding cards to turn them into four mana shocks. It's just, I don't know, it's just not good, in my opinion. I have lost to it. I know some people think it's good. It's definitely, you know, a card that's better in sealed, for example. But I really... I've basically, you know, I've drafted 200 times or whatever. I've probably only cast Elaborate Fire Cannon like four times. 
from what it's worth, I don't think that card's very good either. Just from like a power level, like on a card, like a, you know, nothing, knowing nothing about a format, knowing nothing, if you show me that card, I'd be like, yeah, this card sucks. Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it is quite bad. All right, so let's move over to lands. There are three uh, lands that are common and uncommon. There's unknown shores. Is that like a card you'd ever play? I would never play it in a two-color deck. I do see people sometimes put it in two-color decks, and I don't really understand it. I've definitely played a copy or two if I'm a three to four colors, and I just really need that fixing. The problem is if you're using it to splash like a five or six mana card, it's basically increasing the mana cost of that card by one, which is super awkward. So the card does have its spots, but overall it's not good, and you definitely don't need to prioritize drafting them because you'll often get them, you know, 13th, 14th pick. Yeah, it's really funny to me because I feel like in a lot of limited formats, I'd see a card like Unknown Shores, and I'd immediately give it like an average rating because I think in most limited formats, it's a card that's like allows you to splash and it's fine. But in this particular one being so creature-centric and so combat-driven, I really think Unknown Shores is kind of bad. Yeah, well, I actually think, you know, just thinking about it right now, I think really the big thing about it is your creature decks, you do want to be low to the ground, streamlined and efficient, and Unknown Shore isn't good there. And then in kind of your bigger multicolored decks, you just have treasures to fix your mana, so you don't even really need it. All right, fair enough. Uh, is Field of Ruin a card you ever sideboard into combat, like the flip DFC cards? Literally never. I could maybe see doing it in like a sealed match, but I just don't think it's worth it. I would much rather just try to have a card like, you know, Demystify or Crushing Canopy or maybe like a Lookout's Dispersal to fight that fight. I don't think hurting your own mana base to maybe... Because, like, first of all, they have to play their flip card and then flip it for you to maybe get some value. Yeah, Field of Ruin seems quite bad. What about uh, Unclaimed Territory? Uh, Unclaimed Territory, I think, is a trap similar to Pillar of Origins. Again, your decks just aren't going to be 100% the same creatures, and you're going to have spells that you want to cast. And I find it's almost always just better to have another basic in your deck than Unclaimed Territory. Okay, yeah, I can get behind that. And I, I, I know they're rares, but I would like to touch on them. Like, do you find yourself happy to get an on-color, whatever they're called, uh, M11 land? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely not something, you know, I prioritize, but once I'm like, let's say red-black, I will very, very happily take a Dragon Skull Summit. You know, it's just, you know, it's just a two-color land in your deck that you might be playing, like, Fire Cannon Blast and Walk the Plank. So they are they are very good once you are in the appropriate color. All right, fair enough. Um, I mean, that finishes up our excellent set review. Thank you so much, Frank, for allowing me to ask you endless questions about this format. But I know that you do love talking about it. It's currently Monday. We leave for New Jersey, what, Saturday morning? Yeah, it's, I think that's what I'm at now. Okay, cool. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you have any other questions about Ixlan Limited, you can leave a question on our SoundCloud page, and I can either have Frank answer for you or ask him myself, and I will answer it. Look forward to seeing everyone this weekend. Thank you for joining us. And have a nice weekend. Have a good one, everyone. Look forward to seeing you all at the GP. All right. It's a wrap.